When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf, and you're listening to Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. In today's podcast, I'm going to be replaying a session from my 2020 mental health retreat. If you would like to listen to the full episode and watch the video from the session without any ads, sign up to Patreon today. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Dr. Caroline Leaf. The link will also be in the show notes. One more note before we begin. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. Please consult with your personal physician if you have any medical questions. And now, on to today's episode. What is anxiety? How to use the neurocycle to manage and reduce anxiety. So, what is anxiety? It is not an illness. Anxiety is an emotion. Emotions are not illnesses. Emotions are very normal human responses to situations that we are in. So when you are so thrilled to be here and so excited, those are emotions that are good that because you are responding to a situation. If you're very anxious about something that's happening, it's a response to a situation. So emotions are warning signals, messengers telling us something. So it can be quite hard sometimes to define anxiety, but here are some adjectives. Uneasiness, nervousness, when I say that, let me just paraphrase that, can be quite hard to define how anxiety feels. So here are some words to help us define that. Uneasiness, nervousness, apprehension, compulsive behavior, panic, fear, and uncertainty can all be used. Yet these describe feelings that so many people feel. We all feel those. Okay, so everyone experiences a level of anxiety from time to time. And anxiety goes along with with stress, and stress is also good for you. So what we have is the situation that anxiety is an emotion in response to a situation that puts uh, that our body will respond and our brain will respond because we're experiencing with our mind and basically we go into a stress state. When you go into a stress state, 1400 plus neurophysiological responses are activated to help you cope with that situation. They don't all feel nice, you don't always feel great, but it's your mind, brain and body working together to help you cope with an adverse or challenging situation. The issue is, is that when we feel that we can't cope or things accumulate over a period of time, that we then tip, so we tip from healthy stress into toxic stress. And there's some red flags that we can use to help us to identify that shift, which the neurocycle will help you to do. Okay, so basically good stress, just very quickly at the top of this, as we start this, this session, good stress, for example, is when you're, I'm just going to mention a couple of the neurophysiological responses. There's 1,400 plus. I won't go through all 1,400. I'll just do two or a couple or one. So the, one of them is that our blood vessels around our heart are, 
will actually dilate. And then that means that there will be more blood flow and oxygen to our brain. And when we have more blood flow and oxygen to our brain, we'll, it'll promote more gamma activity in a balanced way across both sides of the brain. And that puts us into a very wise state. We'll have a response in our endocrine system that will help us to become more focused and alert and so on. So that's just a couple of them. And that actually helps you to think fast in the situation and draw on those perceptual memories that are inside the amygdala that are connected to existing memories in your cortex. Now, that's all great. But if we have a lot happening consistently and we keep pushing stuff down but we don't fully process through stuff so we have stuff coming up or stuff happening in our lives that we don't really fully process or deal with or or find the the source or manage in other words do mind management we're just going to have a lot of these toxic trees building and then we will reach a point where things just get too much and we start tipping into toxic stress and stock toxic stress, instead of the blood vessels around the heart dilating, the blood vessels around the heart will constrict. And when the blood vessels around the heart constrict, that means that there's less blood flow and less oxygen to the brain. And when that happens, the gamma activity will reduce and there will be asymmetry patterns in the brain. And, we'll, and that means a lack of coherence or imbalance, and that will make us then Make, we'll make the wrong decisions. It will increase impulsiveness, decrease good decision making, and that's when we can become highly reactive and make the wrong decisions and wrong choices. Okay, so in our life, things do can accumulate, and this can progress to a point where we feel, we feel so overwhelmed that our ability to go about life can be obstructed. So once again, what I'm saying, this is the bottom of that slide, is what I've been saying consistently now, is that there's totally normal levels. We mustn't worry if we feel anxious up and down and doing in sort of waves. It's when it accumulates and it becomes an established pattern and it's starting to affect how we function. That's when we not really not need to start dealing with the, the anxiety. But if you are having little bursts of anxiety, just as a side point here, if you're having little bursts of anxiety that look like they're building up into a pattern, because you see the same sort of things, same sort of responses are, um, are happening, the same kind of situations are triggering the anxious feelings and responses, and they're still little and you're still managing them, but they seem to be starting to build into a pattern. It's good to catch them at that point until they, before they become full-blown. But if you miss them and they become full-blown, you can still deal with them. Okay, you don't, it doesn't mean that you are biologically designed to be anxious and that you are now, that's it for the rest of your life. Are you looking to make a change and eat healthier? Splendid Spoon takes all the work out of what you're eating next. With over 50 meal options, you can choose from smoothies, grain and noodle bowls, soups, wellness shots and more. Splendid Spoon offers four starting plans. The most popular is the signature plan that includes breakfast, lunch and a signature reset product, which is perfect when we get off track in our wellness journey and overindulge on high calorie nutrient depleted foods. The reset soups are low in calories yet contain vitamins and minerals that are easy on your tummy. Splendid Spoon believes in plant-based eating as the single most effective tool we have to feel our best day in and day out. When you make a habit out of plant-based eating, it can help you to be the best version of yourself with side benefits like more energy, weight loss, improved sleep and better skin. 
I personally love their mint chip smoothie, which I drink in the morning to give me the energy and nutrients I need to get my brain and body ready for the day. It is incredibly delicious and packed full of protein, fiber, and other important nutrients. Get started and save $35 on your first order of delicious plant-based meals at splendidspoon.com slash drleaf. That's splendidspoon.com slash drleaf to save $35 on your first order. It's only $6.66 per meal. The link and details will be in the show notes. You've got to be very careful of the neurobiological approach to mental health, which is always trying to find a neurobiological correlate in the brain as the cause of your anxiety. Okay, so I'm not, that doesn't just say that if you have something like a traumatic brain injury or um, you've got some damage in your brain, like I've just, just ex- described in the last session, it doesn't mean that you won't have anxiety. You can see the anxiety can be related to that, but that's, that's come, that's come at the cause is in the experience that we've had that then results in the changes in the brain. And then there's that feedback loop that's set up. The current model, however, the model that the main sort of model for expanding anxiety is that it's an illness and that you're genetically predisposed to have um, more anxiety than maybe someone else or you're genetically predisposed to have an anxiety disorder. That languaging is very unscientific and very um, problematic because it tends to stick us in boxes and label us and make us think there's something wrong with me as an individual, that I have a broken brain. Meanwhile, if we really dig down deep, we see that you are having a adverse experiences, a series of them or accumulated over time, or we can track it back to a period in your life where you had levels of trauma, etc., etc., and that has created these predictive patterns in the brain where you're being triggered and not being, it's not being dealt with, so it's building up over time. Um, so what we can have in terms of the genetic side is an epigenetic factor. And epigenetics is basically the, um, over and above the genes, so it's the factors that are built into, wired into our, every experience is wired into our brain and our body, and we can have these factors that the, um, when, when you, um, you, these things pass through the generations, through the sperm and the ova. So certain patterns in your life, you're going to, if you haven't dealt with them, you pass, pass through the sperm and the ova to your children, and this can go through generations. So the epigenetic factors, the external things that can happen that come through the bloodline, and epigenetics is also the external factors in our own life, our current life now, not just from the past, that trigger certain responses in our brain and our body. So when something passes through the generations, through the sperm and the ova, and is comes into your, it's um, part of your, uh, your DNA, basically that doesn't guarantee that you are going to now be anxious or be depressed. It just means that there are certain patterns that maybe your parents or grandparents or whatever, um, that they were had, had traumatic events and those traumatic events were dealt with so they had certain patterns and that was all, all that experience was in them. Now that comes through to you but it comes through sealed. It comes through sealed like in a, a cocoon and it needs to be activated. If it's not activated it's not going to manifest in your life. So there's a predisposition that there may be because of, but it's not, it's not something wrong with your brain. It's something that has actually come through the bloodline and it's basically a predisposition. So all of us, every human has got predispositions from our parents and grandparents and going back to multiple generations back. And this is becoming, there's a lot of new research in this area that is really showing the importance of us 
constantly managing our minds because everything we do is going to pass through. But it passes through in a, in a, in a sealed way, in, as a predisposition. So how is it activated? Well, it's activated by the nurturing so the environment that you're in. And so the environment that you're in is, the, if, you've, um, if you've got that predisposition um, and your parents still have maybe managed their depression or anxiety or those are the sort of, there's a lot of, anxi a lot of anxiety um, not being managed in the home, then you being that, that nurturing you seeing, so that then can activate that pattern in you. But it doesn't mean that it's inevitable that, you, that you're going to stay in that pattern or fall into that pattern because you can also catch that and say, okay, well, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be so highly reactive or feel anxious all the time as a pattern in my life. Now and then it's okay because it can help us. I want to be able to change that and you can change that. So any epigenetic factor can be changed. Um, and anything that is not survival related can be changed. That's a big statement I've just made. So anything that threatens your survival, we can with the help of understanding mind management and support of each other, community, therapy, um, helping each other, talking, sharing, more accepting environments, socialization, etc. All of those together work together to help the I factor be activated to, um, to change the impact of nurturing. Okay, so... Um, Going to the next slide, the key word here is, as I've been saying, is managed. How we manage anxiety will be based on how we view anxiety. So if we see anxiety as a disease or a biochemical medical illness, it's very scary because then you think, okay, well, this is in me, it's in my brain, this is who I am, which is the messaging, then it can be scary. How do I deal with this? Do I just have to live with this? We're ver this, this label can lock us in, potentially shaping the way we see ourselves and our capacity and stigmatize. So it's stigmatizing our body. Um, and some people may view us as inherently lacking control and potentially unstable or even dangerous to ourselves and others. So there's a lot of problems in our, around that kind of approach. So we want to free ourselves from that approach. Rather, let's look at anxiety as a warning signal, as I mentioned right at the top of the session. So instead of seeing it as a biomedical or a bio, uh, a neural, a bio, a neural, biological disease, something wrong with you and your brain, rather see it as a response that has changed your brain, but as a response to a set of circumstances, adverse circumstances. So you see the anxiety, therefore, as a helpful messenger. Now, there's been interesting research, and I also showed this in my research, that when you view the way you perceive anxiety, as I said in the previous slide, the way you view anxiety, if you view it as a disease versus if you view it as a helpful messenger, will impact how you actually manage anxiety. So an interesting study came out of the University of Tokyo and Texas, and it, they looked at um, the in, in the Eastern sort of view of um, emotional stuff, the viewpoint, I'm summarizing a complex study, is that if you have any kind of emotion, then that's something that you need to tune into. It's actually telling you something. And basically, people that have that attitude manage anxiety so much more than um, in a more Western culture, we've got a view that as soon as it's you have anxiety, you've now suddenly got an illness and there's something wrong with you. That, those, that view led to much less um, health, healthy outcomes in terms of managing the anxiety. 
Okay, so how you view it is going to impact how you manage it in your life. So it's pointing, it's the anxiety is actually pointing to the narrative. So there's a narrative related to anxiety. So hang on to that statement. There is a narrative, there's a story related to your anxiety. There's a because of related to anxiety. You are showing up with feelings of anxiety and the first slide I try to define a few of those feelings because of. So there's a narrative behind it and it's okay. You've got to tell yourself it's okay to be a mess. This is not who I am. Let me stay, let me distance myself. Let me stand back and observe my own thinking to find out the reason. Okay, so instead of just looking for a biological root which you feel like you've got no control over you rather see it as I'm feeling this emotion as a signal it's my mind, brain, and body working together as a signal telling me that there's something going on. Anxiety can be very, is very protective because it, it can prevent us from like walking down a dark alley or you know, it triggers the adrenaline to get us away from dangerous situations. So it's, it works for us. So that's why I said anxiety um, in, when we're in good stress is going to help us to function in wisdom to help us manage certain situations. Or it may indicate that you're in an unhealthy relationship that you should get out and uh, and various the flight and fright response. These are protective mechanisms. It's when those become problematic when they are used consistently. They were in the in the moment they were okay, but if they if it's not a sustainable pattern, you can't keep on responding like that into later years of your life. So if it's happened as something happened as a child that's put you into that state, you can't keep using that same response as an adult because it's going to affect how you're functioning and your anxiety. Will increase because it's not a sustainable pattern. So just a little bit of the psychoneurobiology before we dive into a neurocycle. Um, anxiety means that we as thinking beings are responding intelligently. I mean, I, I love this. We are responding. That's why I tell you this, because it means that you are responding intelligently to threats to your existence. Okay? So there's something. It's your mind, brain, and body are there to work for you. So anything that threatens your survival, this is this, this wisdom wired for love nature that we, that we um, how we are structured. So anything that threatens our survival, our immune system, our, everything in our body, our mind, our brain, our existing memories, and unconscious mind, all are working together to help you, to protect you. So it means that we are as thinking beings responding intelligently to threats to our existence. The experiences we have were wired into the, into the brain by the mind, as I said, and if they're toxic, then you have this backup system, your mind, brain, and body, your psychoneurobiology working for to help you to manage that. So the mind is, the non-conscious mind specifically sends signals to all the cells of the brain and the body that there is a problem. That toxic thing is a problem. And in the case of a negative experience, we need to, cha- that we need to change that because it's a threat to our survival. Okay, so this, as soon as that happens, as soon as, and you can just look at the slide, I'll explain it, um, but basically as soon as the, those threats, the, as soon as those thoughts are triggered, when, they un, when they're in the non-conscious mind, they're there affecting you, but when they're consciously triggered, they start doing a lot of damage. So they kind of go into a, a dormant state, but it's not good to keep them there because the dormancy, in, the, in a dormant state, the longer you keep them, the more damage they eventually do, because the longer they're there, the more they weaken your psych, your, your brain and your, and your body. But as soon as they are triggered by some kind of external event or even an internal thought 
process that's going on that activates those, they then are come into your conscious mind and they become very malleable, which means that they become open to change. So either you can change them and, re and deconstruct and reconstruct them, but if you don't change them, they go back into the non-conscious mind even stronger than before, therefore increasing your potential, in, in, influencing an increase in your anxiety. So, this, so as soon as they are in the brain, your immune system is one of the things that is going to go out there and fight this. So in the same way that we spoke about the immune system fighting COVID, we're going to have the same response. So your T cells and B cells and, and macrophages are going to go to that site of that twisted protein structure with all the chemicals, etc. This is in the brain, all imbalanced, etc. And it's going to try and fix this. It's going to send out immune factors and it's going to create inflammation. But if, And then after a period of time, anti-inflammatory factors will come out to try and reduce the inflammation. But if you haven't dealt with the issue, then that doesn't work and it backfires and the inflammation just gets worse and we get a hyper-inflammatory response and that's when the, auto, the, the immune system can then the whole functionality gets confused and backfires. So, as I said in, in COVID, it can, within the COVID lecture, that can happen with a toxic thought as well. So, the same kind of thing is happening. So, if that continues to happen over time, it's not like I have a toxic thought now and I'm going to get sick tomorrow. It's over time of this consistent pattern of not dealing with our stuff and not managing our mind increases the vulnerability of our body by 35 to 98% over time. So eventually, you know, things wear down over time. You don't see a tire wearing down day by day, but suddenly after a few years, if you haven't changed the tires on your car, they've worn down. Okay, the, so in other words, we, it happens over time, but the increasing vulnerability of, um, of not dealing with stuff, not managing your mind, increases your vulnerability to diseases of the brain and the body. Okay, so we, we need to be aware of it. It's very real. So, these, so this is what our, our mind, brain, and body are trying to prevent. So the mind, brain, and body work together to send you signals. So these, the, these signals are responses that are communicated back to us. So there's four types of signals that the mind, brain, and body will work together to tell you to pay attention to this. So you've got this in your brain and your body, and then you've got these four types of signals that will then be communicated back to us that is that are coming from mind, brain, and body that we need to pay attention to. And when we pay attention to them, then we can start deconstructing them. Protein is important for so many biological functions, including bone health, satiety, our ability to think and build memory, and our mental health. And as we go through life, protein needs change. So it's important to choose a mix for different life stages. That's why I'm a big fan of Ritual's Essential Protein. It is a delicious plant-based protein offered in three premium formulations for distinct life stages and unique nutrient needs and made with the same high standard approach and commitment to traceability that Ritual is known for. I add their essential protein for 50 plus to coconut milk every morning for a quick breakfast smoothie. It is so delicious and easy to remember as I go about my daily routine, especially with their flexible and easy-to-use subscription service. With Ritual's one-of-a-kind visible supply chain, you also know the what, how, and why of every labeled ingredient. Indeed, all their protein powders are also soy-free, gluten-free, and non-GMO, and are made with a complete amino acid profile for daily support. Are you ready to shake up your protein ritual? My listeners get 10% off during their first three months of Ritual, dot com forward slash dr leaf 
Ritual even offers a money-back guarantee if you're not 100% in love. Just visit ritual.com forward slash Dr. Leaf today for 10% off your first three months. The link and details will be in the show notes. One of those signals is emotions and one of the emotions is anxiety. Some of the other emotions could be things like depression, frustration, um, anger, excessive anger, irritation, whatever. There's all kinds of emotions that we can experience. And every emotion is a, is, is, is a signal. So now if you look at the same slide, look at the second paragraph, these things in our body, these toxic thoughts in our body, cause the mind, brain, and body to talk to us through signals. Four types of signals. The first type of signal are emotional warning signals, of which anxiety is one. So we're just going to deal with anxiety to, to, in this session, as I said, but I'm just going to explain what the other four are as well. Okay, um, the, the other types of signals. We're going to deal with all four types of signals, sorry, in this session, but I'm just going to deal with the emotion of anxiety um, to help you to make this easier to understand, okay? So the first type of signal is emotions. Let's look back at the slide. The second type of signal is, if you have a look there, body. What is your body doing? Remember, every single experience is built into your mind, brain, and body. So therefore, it's in every cell of your body. So when you recall something, your body is also activated, not just your brain, your body as well. So what is your body feeling? Increased heart palpitations. Um, it could be t- t- tension in your shoulders, um, panic attacks, um, sorry, stomach aches, um, GI symptoms. So what physical symptoms? That's the second signal. First signal, emotions. Second signal that our, that our mind, brain, and body send us are physical symptoms. For, third signal is behaviors. What behaviors are related to when you're in feeling this emotion and doing that that feeling that physical symptom. So maybe it's panic attacks, maybe it's withdrawal, maybe it's hasty decisions. And the fourth signal is how has this shifted your perspective? How are you looking at life? Okay, so in other words, maybe you have, so the emotion is anxiety, maybe the um, physical is a GI symptom um, uh, that's consistently coming back worse and worse. Um, the, the, the behavior one could be with maybe withdrawal and the perspective is life sucks. So those would be four, the four the examples of the four warning signals. So your mind, brain, and body are telling you stuff, communicating with you. And what you want to do is not run from those signals. You want to embrace those signals. Okay? So if we look at the next slide, what I found in my research, and we're going to go into this, we're going to go into that demonstration, and then we're going to actually start doing a neurocycle together. Okay, so what I found in my most recent clinical trials, and this is in the book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, it's one of the case studies. This is one of the, um, the, the, the um, subjects in the control group. So I, had an ex- I did a random control study, an RCT, where we had a ex- uh, statistically assigned a control group and an experimental group. So the control group didn't get the neurocycle, but they got all the evaluations and the blood, brain, the psychological evaluations, narrative, etc. But they didn't get the neurocycle. The experimental group got the neurocycle. They got the mind management system. So what we see here is um, what happened was as the with all the evaluations that were being done in the clinical trial, the awareness of issues was increasing in this particular subject. But they didn't have a system for managing it. They didn't. They were just kind of doing what they always did, which was whatever. Different. They were the different 
different subjects were doing different things. So whatever your go-to way of managing um, those anxious feelings um, and the accompanying physical and behavioral and perspective signals, whatever you were doing, whatever they were doing, they continued to do. So, they, But their awareness kept increasing. So they didn't have a good mind management system, so they, their anxiety got worse. So to see it very clearly, they look at the, what you're looking at there are head maps, and the head map is a way of, and we use the QEEG, we use QEEG technology, which looks at the different brain waves, delta, theta, alpha, beta, gamma, and high gamma, and high beta, and that is the, those waves show, are basically electrical activity in the brain in response to your thinking. So you saw that slide earlier on with that like literally like fire going through the brain, so your QEEG is looking at that response, and that response, you have different waves working together in different ways, which tells us what's going on. So if you have too much, um, if you get very anxious, we will see too much high beta, and that shows up with those red spots. So where you see the red spots, that's too much high beta and also too much beta there. Now day one, the subject was already anxious, and day 21, there was a little bit less anxiety because there was so much contact with the subjects that there was like there were people they, they were getting asked all these questions and there was they were coming into clinics so there was a level of I'm not alone so there was a little reduction in anxiety but then they they got the next 42 days they were pretty much working they were just on their own and didn't come back into clinic till day 63 but they were made very aware through all the testing so the anxiety got worse so you can see by day 63 without any mind management there's ex- a excessive amount of high beta and um, beta and that means that the brain's like a tsunami. Now obviously we gave them, at this point we gave them the neurocycle so they got the mind management because that was the time period of the study so they were given the mind management so they got the neurocycle so that I want to just stress because we would never leave someone in the state, okay? And it changed once they once they started using the neurocycle that anxiety dropped. Okay, so that's just a visual to show that there is a response in the brain but you can change that. So that happened without mind management. With mind management, it changed back to what it should be. So now, let's see. Anxiety is like a weighted ball. Okay, so it's a lot easier to hold a 10-pound ball. So here, I can pick this 10-pound ball up. If I carry it around with me all day, it's going to get heavy. Like this morning, I went to a sculpt class, and they made us do weights that didn't seem, they said, don't take the heavy weights. And I took the heavy weights thinking, I'm very strong, I can do the heavy weights. And then they made us do all these these different moves, and I had to change the weights because my arms were starting to die. Because it was too many little reps, and I was carrying, holding the weights for too long. And so that's, this is, we can see normal anxieties. We can we can deal with this for, for a while. I can carry this around. But at some point, I'm going to have to put this down, but I can can deal with it. I can put it down, have a bit of a rest, change my weights, and I can pick it up again. But I can pick this up, and I can deal with this. It's not too bad. I can deal with this, okay? But if I get a lot of this, and I don't put this down, and I pick up another one, and another one, and another one, eventually I'm just like so weighed down, and now anxiety has turned into this one. It's heavy. Mm. This is the ball that someone's going to catch now. I'm going to throw it. No, no, I've got to do it. I've got to show it. I've got to demonstrate. Look, he's being such a gentleman. I've got to demonstrate what anxiety does to you. Okay. See, if I carry this around all day, as strong as I am, and I'm very strong because I do a lot of exercise, I'm going to die at some point here. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm going to get overwhelmed. Ah, did I make my point? 
People don't always realize that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, and even digestive issues can be indicators of stress. And let's not forget about doom scrolling, sleeping too little, sleeping too much, undereating, and overeating. Personally, when I'm stressed, especially when I have a lot on my plate and feel overwhelmed with work, I tend to get bad stomach aches and headaches, which can really impact the rest of my day and even my relationships. It's so easy to snap and get annoyed when you're in pain, especially if you don't communicate how you feel to your loved ones. Stress shows up in all kinds of ways, and in a world that's telling you to do more, sleep less, and grind all the time, here's your reminder to take care of yourself, do less, and maybe try some therapy. I find that talking to someone I trust is one of the best ways to manage toxic stress, and therapy is another great way to do this. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. Give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And cleaning up the mental mess listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash code. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash code. Okay, so that's what... There you go. I do need that. It was heavy. You can come test it afterwards, okay? So... If you're living with this all the time, eventually it builds into this. So this can build, sometimes this is this already. It's so bad that it starts at this level. So this is level 10. This is a level around 3, 4, 5. If you think of levels 1 to 10, okay, so 3, 4, 5 we can kind of deal with. As long as we have rests in between. And those rest in between, this is managing it. But if I don't manage it, I'm going to keep adding, as I said. And then we're going to move... So one, two, three starts shifting to four, five. I'm still kind of okay, but I'm starting to feel like I can't deal with stuff. And then more happens, and I'm still not dealing with stuff. And eventually, I land up eight, nine, ten. This is anxiety that is manageable. This is a prompt that okay, I need to pay. This is heavy. Okay, I can't just ignore this. There's something. I can't just pick this up and run around with this all day. I need to do something. And this one is I haven't done anything, and it's now weighing me down. So now I've got into extreme anxiety. Okay, so. All of this is actually normal human responses to life's adverse challenges. This is obviously more adversity. It could be an extreme one-off or you know, a, a complex trauma, or it could be an accumulation of little things building up over time. So neither of these are illnesses. The one through five we can kind of deal with. If most days we live in a one to three zone, so where things are a little bore, I don't have a little thing, but you know, this is light, we can sort of cope with that and then it may be there may be a couple of things in your day that I feel a bit like this, but I can still pick it up and I can, you know, deal with it and put it down. But then some days we get into extreme states. So this is extreme anxiety, it's still not a brain disease. It will affect the brain. Because the, this experience is being processed by your mind into your brain. So the experience is showing up in your brain like that instead of like that. So it does all that damage to the homocysteine. It increases inflammation. It increases cortisol. puts us into toxic stress. Our heart, uh, our, this stage, our um, blood vessels are contracted. I've got less blood flow and oxygen to my brain. And all that kind of stuff is happening. And if you continue like that, you will get a breakdown. You will then have a biomedical damage to your brain and body and various things can be stimulated, diseases and things can start, disease processes start beginning. So this is how I run my life. 
So what we see from the research is that 95% of diseases are considered to be lifestyle diseases. In other words, are we managing our mind? And only 5% genetic, that there's an app there. So there is the genetic factor where things can pass through, but they've done a lot of research, and that's very, that 5% is very specific to very specific diseases. So the, life, the increase that we're seeing in this day and age of increased lifestyle diseases is, and we saw this prior to the pandemic, there was already a big um, a, a big, a, a, I would say a big awareness, an awareness growing of a concept called deaths of despair. And that is that people, they started seeing between 1996 and 2014 a sudden increase, well, not so sudden, but an increase in lifestyle diseases and an increase in people dying younger. And it was, and which is, reversing a trend because for years people have been living longer with all the advances in medicine technology. So, But something changed around 96 and by 2014 the pattern was established and the pattern has continued and they're calling it deaths of despair and it's not spoken about enough. That's why I talk about it and that's why I put the studies and the information in my book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, because what they're seeing is that people are dying eight to 25 years younger than they should from preventable lifestyle issues. So the way we are running our lives since 1996 has changed and it's impacting how long we are living and how healthily we are living. And a lot of that change has, has, um, has, has come from a very reductionistic view that you are only your brain and your body. That the mind is this thing we can't really see, so we will ignore the mind, so your narrative, your experience, your, what you're going through, who you are, how you see life, what you, you know, how, you've exe- how you've experienced your experiences is not considered important. What's considered important is the symptom, a diagnosis, and a treatment to cure which works beautifully when it's something that's actually in the body, like diabetes or cancer, etc., or an autoimmune disorder, but it doesn't work for the mind. Okay, it doesn't work for the issues that are affecting our mind. Okay, so it doesn't work for if you've had um, an adverse childhood experience or a terrible marriage or a terrible job situation or grief over whatever, over COVID, etc., that kind of stuff. You don't have a brain disease, you may get a bodily disease because of the, the, the trauma. There's a very, very strong established link in the literature, and I've done some of this research too, showing the causative link, not correlative, causative link between not being able, not dealing or being able to manage, because I don't want to make it about the individual and moralize it, but not when people aren't helped to manage what they're going through, that it does affect the brain and the body physically. So illnesses are linked to unmanaged toxic situations, very well established in the literature. Okay, So we know that link, therefore why aren't we addressing mind management right from day one at school? I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. 
So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.